Incoming transmission. The Klingon word of the day is bigger. Ha! These are the voyages of the Starship Enterprise. So, this is a huge victory for the good guys. Scotty, beam me up. Resistance is futile. Live long and prosper. and welcome to the Computer Resume Podcast, a show covering the entire Star Trek franchise in chronological order for fans new and old. I'm your host, writer-comedian, Mr. Todd A. Davis. Frequent watcher of Computer Resume Podcast Trading Card Tuesday and co-host of Four Quadrants Podcast, available now wherever you get your podcasts. It's Jerry Antimano! Yay! Hey! Jerry! <laughs> hey, Todd. How you doing, man? Yeah, really, really good. Uh, top of the morning to you. Oh, likewise, likewise. Yes. Thank you for joining me. Yes. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, oh yeah, it's a little early. I'm not, I'm not hungover. I am still drunk, but not hungover. And that's wonderful. <laughs> Best way to do a podcast. Yes, way, right? absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Thank you so much for doing this. Um, let's just jump right in. Are you, uh, I detect a bit of an accent. So like, where, where are you? So folks kind of get an idea of like who you are, where you're at and all that stuff. Uh, yeah, sure. Uh, first of all, honored to be here, sir. So honored uh, to have you. Thank you. I've been, uh, been trying to keep up uh, where I can um, with uh, with your show. Oh, uh, it's been, uh, it's been uh, a great time following you from here to there. Um, <laughs> there well, where I am at the moment, we'll, we'll get to that in a second. But uh, uh, to ask your first question, yeah, so uh, um, I'm originally from London, um, but I'm actually based in New York. Um, oh, cool, cool. So I've been here for about seven years. Uh, I followed my wife over here. Um, so what, what better way to, to come and travel across the ocean uh, and stay over here uh, than for love? Um, yes, absolutely. But, uh, but yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's really awesome to be here. Uh, Englishman in New York, I'm sure there's a song in there somewhere. Uh, so, so I've been told, I haven't heard the song myself. Um, but uh, if anyone listening out there knows, knows the song, uh, feel free to let Todd and I know. Internet, um, get on it. We'll see if we can find Jerry a theme song. Here we go. <laughs> But, uh, but yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's really been awesome. I've been, you know, listening to your podcast since, since, uh, not you started it, but since, since, uh, since the first episode. Oh, um, thanks so much. <laughs> because I run my own podcast, which, which is very, very similar to yours. Um, I've tried to be very conscious of not going too far ahead of where we are, because we're about a season behind you right now. Um, yeah, yeah. So I've, been, seen... I've been listening to it um, up to where we've stopped so far so gotcha nice yeah it's yeah there's it seems like uh well the pandemic really kind of oh i mean not that there was a shortage of star trek podcasts to begin with right right <laughs> but right, the exactly. pandemic really opened the floodgates of like hey 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 trekkers <laughs> let's get those podcasts started um i actually spoke with uh the red shirts podcast um uh, uh three comedians over in england actually who pretty much did the exact same thing a lot of their uh their regular comedy open mics got shut down, but two or uh, three of them were into Star Trek and uh, Jake, Nathan and Maddie started their own and they're, they're cranking on the same thing. They're actually about a year ahead of me. So oh, wow. <laughs> if you guys want to see a really kind of cool progression, check out 
red shirts and then computer resume podcast and end up with uh four quadrants pod you'll get kind of three different stages of the podcast it's 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 a neat way to uh experience the star trek franchise what was the first thing that kind of drew you to star trek like do you have any early memories of watching star trek as a kid or did a parent or a friend introduce you to it when i was a kid um you know i guess back in i mean I suppose middle school um mm. Uh, is is the version um, we have in England? Uh, I was about maybe year year six, year seven. That would be the transition between primary school and high school uh, oh. over there, uh, since we don't have a middle school. But you know, I'd I'd always be doing my homework or eating dinner or something, and you know, Next Generation or Deep Space Nine would normally be on on a rerun, and uh, you know, I just kind of have it on in the background while I was doing something else, and I, I kind of started to have this show that was kind of routine every week that, mm. you, that, that was just on whilst I was you know doing my normal daily stuff yeah. and I started yeah. to get into it and learn who the characters were and you know c- keep up to date with the stories and stuff kind of just developed from there in terms of get, you know getting really interested in it and then re- re-watching reruns upon reruns before streaming services were available of course oh, yes um and uh and yeah it, like you know I just absolutely love like not just you know the, the the space stuff and the alien stuff, which you know any you know teenage you know boy would would would, would gravitate towards, or any teenage nerd or geek, if I'm allowed to say that, yes, uh, would gravitate towards. <laughs> but the stories that they tell and the you know the the ability to be able to use you know that kind of um, setting to tell uh, you know contemporary stories, mm-hmm. um, you know, is I think is really the magic behind that. It doesn't matter what situation like the Enterprise or the Voyager crew find themselves in. You can really relate a lot of that to, you know, stuff that you're going through and stuff that's on the news. And, uh, you know, it's it's uh, it's a fantastic way of storytelling. Yeah, absolutely. I think that, uh, you know, for folks who grow up in a, I'll say, a nerd friendly household, which I feel like. I, I'm in that same camp as well. My parents weren't nerds themselves, but they were kind of like, you know what? He could be doing drugs instead. He's watching Star Trek. So we'll, we'll take that as a win. Um, you know, it's important to have that. And it sort of kind of permeates your childhood in a way that it almost becomes part of the surrounding. It's kind of part of the background. It's like, it's like the wallpaper or the carpeting, you know, this, and there was also Star Trek, like, And I, you know, that's a great way to grow up, you know, to have that, you know, some people it's music, some people it's uh, acting or sports or whatever it is. And that's all, all of those things are great. You know, it's for this particular cross-section of folks uh, who listen to this show and have been on this show more often than not, it's Star Trek. Uh, A similar thing happened in the Davis household um, when my wife and I got our dog. I wanted him because he was a, he was a rescue and had bounced around a couple different houses. So he was, you know, really just not, um, he, he didn't have any sort of stable uh, footing in terms of a forever home. And when he came to live with us, I wanted him to have a sound that he identified with as being home. And I actually put in star Wars uh, episode four. And oh, okay. as, as soon as he walked in, I hit play and of course that big fanfare music <laughs> starts and he was, you know, of course I turned up the volume. So of course the, you know, the music starting startled him a little bit, but then he kind of locked onto the TV 
And now if he's ever kind of wound up or anxious or anything like that, I put on either Star Wars or actually Star Trek Next Generation because the music is fairly similar mm-hmm. and he kind of locks onto the TV and calms right down. So you know, <laughs> he'll sit on the couch and, and, and all is well because he's home. And that's, <laughs> that's, that's a great way. It's a great way to, uh, it's a great way to live is to have sort of that, you know, people describe shows like this and other, and other shows as well, even sitcoms as like white noise as white noise type shows, the things that lull you to sleep, the things that make you feel comfortable. And you're absolutely right in terms of the storytelling. I've We've said this a couple of times on the show before that science fiction has always held up a mirror to society um, showing who we are and where we've come from, but also our likely trajectory of where we're going and maybe as a cautionary tale. Um, but it's always good to have that, you know, these characters and these settings and this music that's so familiar it becomes like family. You know, there was a big disconnect. I'm starting to ramble, but that's okay. Um, <laughs> there used to be a big, a big disconnect between the Hollywood film system and society and Hollywood television. Uh, you know, film used to look down on television a lot. Yeah. But actually the fan base for television was a lot stronger and a lot more passionate. And a lot of people didn't realize why it was because instead of going to a theater once every blue moon or however often you're inviting these people into your home every week or more and they become part of your family. They become part of your household. They become part of your house. Really? (laughs) And I think that's one of the great things with a franchise as enduring as Star Trek there's it's been so much time that not only has the franchise permeated a house but they've permeated a family you know it's my dad watched it his dad watched it i used to watch it with my brothers and sisters my my mother my mother connected with her mother over star trek you know there's all kinds of stories like that and those are the things that i find really fascinating because it helps kind of shape who you are a little bit Anyways, yeah. like I said, I've rambled a little bit too long <laughs> no, about that. I'm sorry. No, no, not at all. No, I think, you know, I think you, you hit a nail on the head um, that, uh, you know, with, with your dog, um, with, uh, you know, with, with the white noise and stuff um, of both Star Trek and Star Wars that are very spacey. Um, you know, there is that element of, I, I don't know, I suppose uh, the sound of dead air uh, of being on a spaceship or yeah. being in space. Yeah. That is very comforting, right? Mm. As well. Um, oh yeah. I think you know. I've heard you know that 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 uh, a lot of people use Star Trek to put them to sleep, but not in the way that you think. Yeah. Um, uh, in terms of you know, in terms of the show being on and stuff, but mm-hmm. it's to do with um, what do they call it the ASMR. Uh, yes. Or, or something like that, right? That 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 permeates the brain uh, in such a way that. Um, you know, it puts you at ease or it puts certain people at ease and stuff. So, you know, I can, can completely understand that. And yeah, I, I never even thought about, um, you know, the, the audiences of TV and film being so different, um, which, you know, which, which, you know, I think is, is absolutely right because, you know, what, what better way to reach the masses than, than through TV of course, um, and, and get into their, you know, get into, you know, get into their homes and families and, you know, their their lives and and, and their minds uh, than than through than through the medium of TV TV absolutely 
So let me, let's get a little more specific here since, so you, like me, like many folks our age, I imagine, um, next-gen kids, and that's great. So, you know, next-gen, Deep Space Nine, Voyager, that was kind of our, that was the formative years. Enterprise was a little bit after that. And uh, did you come to Enterprise right away? Is, you know, what was your first introduction to Enterprise specifically? Do you recall? Uh, yeah, um, I think, uh, you know, after kind of having it on in the background and kind of understanding who the characters were on Next Gen Voyager and DS9, mm-hmm. um, you know, I, I started to get more into the lore and, you know, and do, you know, Google searches or Ask Jeeves searches of back course. in the day. Oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> of like, you know, what, you know what, what were the details behind this storyline or this character and stuff? Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I heard there was a new... Um, uh, series coming out for Star Trek uh, Enterprise, and that was around what 2002. Yep. I think. So I was, I was a bit older, I was a bit more mature uh, in terms of my understanding of TV shows and stuff. Um, but uh, you know, I, I would never always catch the show, you know, live uh, every every single time. Um, so I don't know if this is going to get me in trouble or not. But uh, my no. friend would my friend would put uh, put uh, had, uh, had had ripped a load of these shows onto onto bootleg DVD. Uh, or VCD back in the day, um, and given given them to me, and and I think I I, I pretty much binged watched um, before streaming services were available uh, all the way through seasons one to to three uh, mm. before I oh, started wow. to get myself into routine of watching season four, yeah. um, you know when it came out live and stuff. Um, but yeah, no, I I. I can't remember your original question, Todd. But yeah, no, no, that is, <laughs> no, you answered it. <laughs> Yeah, it's uh, yeah, for because I graduated high school um, 2002. I graduated on time, <laughs> but I graduated 2002, and um, that's roughly about when uh, Enterprise started. It actually started uh, uh, two weeks after 9 11, so the country was in a very particular place, and um. I didn't actually watch Enterprise then. It wasn't until I was working third shift in my mid-20s, uh, coming home, coming home early in the morning and watching episodes at the time on Sci-Fi Channel. Uh, it had been syndicated to the Sci-Fi Channel, and that's where I started picking it up because I just kind of dug the aesthetic. Like I knew it was a prequel series, so I was like, okay, that's fun. And um I like I said, I enjoyed the aesthetic. You know, the ship is a step above a submarine, and you know, you can see uh, all the uniforms have pockets. Thanks. It has pockets. And I was familiar with Scott Bakula, and uh, yeah, the, it it had all the elements of a retro series, but all the special effects of something that was new. So I I dug it right off the bat. It wasn't until I started exploring the larger franchise and fan base that I was like, oh, people don't seem to like this. And I'm not sure why. And then I started deep diving. It's like, oh, okay, I see. I see your complaints. All right. Not that your complaints aren't valid, but like, I think Star Trek fan base tends to hold. We, we've, we set a very high bar in mm-hmm. our yeah. expectations. Yeah, um, we say you do. Uh, I mean, from the word go, you know, right after the original series, that bar was set very high, you know, even for the films and for the animated series. And then once TNG came along, it was like, oh, are they, can you even see the bar? <laughs> like, it's so high. <laughs> yeah. I mean, look, I think, um, 
I think there's always going to be that divide, right, of generations. And I mean, pardon the pun. No, but, yeah. But, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, the, the, the people that, you know, originally, I suppose, watched the original series that are still around, of course, you know, all, will, hi- will always hold that in high regard. And, you know, I still have a, no, I still have a complete respect for from where the roots came from in terms of Spock and Kirk and everything, because without, you know, Gene's original vision and Bill Shatner, who just recently went into space, uh, (laughs) you know, Leonard Nimoy and DeForest Kelly, you know, doing what they did, we would never have Next Gen and DS9 and everything else that I grew up with. Um, But that's where I hold my bar, of course, in terms of, you know, where you now compare the likes of Discovery and Lower Decks and everything else. Do you ever think there's going to be a point where the new standard for Star Trek is going to be Discovery and Lower Decks um, and stuff? Well, you know, at the risk of uh, using a cliche here, um, time will tell. You know, it wasn't really until long after the original series ended that people started really looking back uh, fondly and, you know, that fan base starting to grow. it was much later. Uh, hence the movies didn't come along till almost 10 years later or right. more. So, um, you know, and the same thing happened with, um, I feel like the same thing kind of happened with each series. Like it was shaky getting started and then it had the, its growing pains and then it kind of settled into a really nice groove and then became the juggernaut that it is. And, um, you know, and then not only as the shows and the writing and the production change, society changes and technology changes. So we've got, you know, the TNG era leading into enterprise, which I, you know, I still kind of lump in enterprise with the TNG era, you know, so once, once, yeah. yeah, So once enterprise ends, it's a long time before we get anything else. And then once that other thing came in the form of Star Trek discovery, the landscape of TV production and consumption had changed completely. Because now we had Netflix and now we have streaming services and people kind of got wise to, you know, we don't have to do 26 episodes. We can actually make a higher quality 12 to 13 episodes. And, you know, based on their service, you know, there may not even be commercials because those show structures are reliant upon the typical uh, television format. 44 minutes, two to three commercial breaks. That that's, that's the framework you've got to work with. Mm-hmm. Not so much anymore. Yeah. So we're trying to figure out. And, and then also going from the episodic style of storytelling to serialized. Very right, serialized. right. Exactly. Yeah. Enterprise, Enterprise is unique. And I've mentioned this a few times on the show. You may have heard me say it before, but Enterprise is unique in that it was at the end of the episodic era of television and right before the serialized uh, trend started up again uh, with ABC's Lost, that tends to be right. the starting point for most people. But because it fell right in, right in the middle, it wasn't one or the other. So because it wasn't one or the other, it ended up being neither. <laughs> yeah. But you can see in those early seasons where it, it is very episodic, but they're making a lot of callbacks, a lot of references of like, hey, remember a few weeks ago when we met the Andorians and that church we blew up, you know, yeah. stuff like that. And in season three and four, you're seeing that continue with less filler in between. You're getting like actual two and three, sometimes even four episode arcs 
back to back. So you're getting little serialized chunks, which is a lot of fun. But I think that sort of bridged the gap to now discovery. You can't just jump in at episode three or episode seven. Like Right, exactly. Yeah. You haven't watched since episode one. You're going to be lost. Yeah. So um, no pun intended, Todd. Yeah. Um, well, uh, so with your viewing of enterprise so far, you're, you mentioned that, uh, four quadrants pod is a season behind us roughly. Yeah. Around about there. Um, we, we just recently, well, I'll say recently two weeks ago at the time recording this, Mm -hmm. um, Mm -hmm. just finished recording Oasis. Okay. So yeah. Yeah. So yeah, we're about, we're almost a season behind where we're recording right now. Oh, okay. So yeah. this was a bit of a jump forward a little bit for a you. A little bit, yeah. Yeah, I was I, I was intending to watch the episode before this as well for context. Um, <laughs> I gotcha. But I never got around to it. But So, uh, so what you're yeah. saying is, is I'm your temporal agent Daniels and I just pulled you into the future. <laughs> Effectively, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> awesome, awesome. Well, before we go any further, let's get into this week's recap. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. Next Wednesday on UPN, the Canamar prison is legendary for its cruelty. Probably make an example of you. No one who enters escapes with their life. What if you're not guilty? We're all guilty as far as they're concerned. Meet the newest inmates. We gotta get out! A shocking all-new Enterprise event, Canamar. Next Wednesday at 8 7. Upon leaving the Hanolian homeworld, Archer and Trip are mistakenly identified as smugglers and arrested. They're placed on a prison transport headed for the penal colony known as Canamar. Among their fellow prisoners is a man named Kuroda and a hulking Nausicaan. Meanwhile, back on Enterprise to Paul, having found the abandoned space bus, manages to convince an Hanolian official that Archer and Trip are innocent. Just as they're about to be released, however, Kuroda breaks free and takes down the guard and pilot. When the vessel comes under attack from Anolian patrol ships, Archer convinces Kuroda to allow Trip to help them. Trip manages to create a plasma cloud diversion, allowing the transport to jump to war. Impressive. Kuroda is impressed with Archer's ploy. In fact, Kuroda has come to respect Archer. Most impressive. And asks him to join him on his next endeavor. As the two men talk, Kuroda reveals he was 14 years old when he first spent time in a penal colony. When I was a young what? Very nice. Thanks. He was innocent. I'm innocent! But he still spent five years in prison and started making a living as a criminal after he was released. Kuroda also reveals that they will meet up with another ship at Tamal and destroy the transport. Archer, determined to save the other prisoners, enlists Trip's aid. Trip is freed under the pretense of fixing a docking hatch and manages to render the Nausicaan unconscious, but draws the attention of Kuroda, who realizes that Archer has been plotting against him all along. Who's been messing up everything? It's been Agatha all along. The transport soon docks, but when the doors open, Reed and Travis appear. The crew evacuate the transport, which is now in a decaying orbit, but Kuroda refuses to leave. 
Back on Enterprise, the Anolian official demands a report for his superiors. Archer tersely informs the official that they were falsely arrested and wonders how many others are unjustly on their way to Canamar. So this is interesting. Um, One of the things that I explored with uh, the folks on the Red Shirts podcast was the difference in law enforcement and law in general, America versus the UK. Have you ever been arrested? I've not. No, I've been cautioned cautioned and stopped and, you know, the the, the usual for for speeding or, um, you know, well, running a stop, running a stop sign here in the US. So this is so funny story very yeah. quickly i suppose um you know the first time uh, the first time i ever had a quote-unquote run-in with the law over here in new york uh, mm-hmm. was when i ran a stop sign so we don't really have stop signs in england mm-hmm. um and i've been driving for you know for for as long as i can remember um and as far as you know as, as as far as i was ever aware like you know stop signs were kind of there as a guidance much like a a, a give way sign in england which is a yield sign here in in the states oh, interesting. Uh, where as long as the as the road is clear you could pretty much go uh i should probably be paying more attention to my driving lessons when i was over here um <laughs> but uh, there was a there was an nypd car uh right by that particular stop sign um and they stopped me and they were like oh did you know there was a stop sign there i'm like um no i i first of all i didn't realize there was a stop sign there and you know, it's, it, it, it wasn't in my nature to stop at stop signs um, just because of the way it was, I've been hardwired to drive for such a long time. Sure. Uh, yeah. So, so I got a ticket because, um, you know, I, I didn't, I failed to stop at a stop sign. So yes, that's, that's, as, that's as far as my extent with the law, I think is, has gone, Todd. <laughs> I, uh, I've been pulled over oh, more times than I should probably admit <laughs> on a show, but uh, a lot of it was, um while I was working in law enforcement, um, that's one of the privileges that, uh, you know, law enforcement tends to take with, uh, you know, professional courtesy. They tend to take advantage of that and drive at what is known as police speed. Mm. And of course I, I remember, I remember I wasn't speeding one time, uh, but I did get pulled over and it was for no seatbelt. And a lot of times law enforcement officers don't wear a seatbelt because if they have to deploy out of the car quickly, yeah. The seatbelt can actually get hung up on your, on your uniform, on your equipment, all that stuff. Um, and if, and if it's an emergency and you're stuck in your car because of your seatbelt, you just die. Um, so a lot of times I wouldn't wear my seatbelt and uh state trooper pulled me over for no seatbelt and my uniform, I wasn't wearing my uniform at the time, but, but the uniform was in the seat next to me. And I kept looking at the officer uh, going, Hey, say, <laughs> Same team, man. Same team. <laughs> uh, but, you know, good old South Carolina state troopers never deterred. <laughs> and I got my ticket and well, you know, that's, and that's that, but yeah, for the most part, most of my run-ins with the law have always been, you know, traffic related, speeding seatbelts, uh, fairly boring <laughs> stories really. Um, but I did pedestrian. Yeah. Yeah. Very pedestrian uh, or non-pedestrian, I should say. Really. Right. Right. Mo- uh, most of, <laughs> most of my stories uh, involving the law come from my time actually working as a guard in the County jail. And uh, that was, that was always interesting. We, uh, we had some interesting characters, uh, very colorful, very wild. 
And then there were the inmates. Like <laughs> most of the folks that I dealt with that were uh, unique were my coworkers. <laughs> um, but yeah, this is interesting in that, um, you know, you would think that word had gotten around the galaxy about this little ship called Enterprise full of these uh, humans who yeah. don't really know what they're doing, but essentially mean that mean people no harm. <laughs> So I would find I would find it odd that someone would confuse this spaceship that is nothing and has nothing as smugglers. Although maybe that's maybe that's the ploy. I don't know. What are your thoughts on uh, Archer and uh, Trip getting detained? Yeah, I mean, I think obviously it's a, obviously it's the, you know, that classic case of mistaken identity, right, uh, and stuff by you know this you know this border patrol or you know patrol ship that the Enolians have and stuff, but. Um, yeah, I mean, I think like I think uh, I think I echo those thoughts uh, completely. That you know, a lot of these uh, species and aliens that they run into, like, are completely unfamiliar with these guys, even though they're obviously you know have been spacefaring much much longer than any Earthlings. Um, and you know, you would have assumed that the Vulcans would also kind of put the word out to everybody that yeah. yeah that, <laughs> Please watch out for these guys because you know they're effectively in the infancy stage of it, you know of exploring deep space and don't give them a hard time and you know please try not to arrest them because they're going to do something humanly. Um, <laughs> yeah. But, uh, <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I, I guess uh, I guess space. Sorry, I guess um, uh, word doesn't travel that uh, that fast in space in that era. Uh, yeah. I yeah, I guess um, so. But uh, but yeah, um, to your original point, um, yeah, it's. I think it also echoes, you know, a lot of the times when, uh, you know, people uh, have been arrested, you know, uh, these miscarriages of justice. This is America. You know, that's the obvious overall arching theme of this episode. Yep. Um, yep. You know, obviously dealt with in a very drastic way with this prison, you know, with, with, the, with the whole uh, prison break, um, you know, on the, on the transport ship. But sure. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think... Um, you know, it, again, it's, it's this classic way of Trek doing this storytelling of, um, you know, in real life, there are people who have been wrongly arrested, people who have been rightly arrested uh, and just been, you know, just been lumped together in, uh, you know, in, in these in these in this condition of, you know, whatever this transport, for example. But then, right. you know, we, you also have people who are innocent. I'm innocent. Who are put in these really depraving conditions. Um in you know in these jails in other parts of the world um, without you know without trial or due process. Right. This kind of uh, goes back to the episode that uh, we covered some time ago. Detained. Oh yeah, I just I just watched that actually for context for our next episode. So. <laughs> yes, yes, absolutely. Uh, season one, episode twenty-one, detained, where uh, Archer and this time Travis Mayweather. Uh, get brought in, which I, of course, love Travis, but I, I you know, that episode uh, speaks not only a miscarriage of justice, but it's uh, clearly a commentary on um, uh, internment camps specifically <laughs> as, uh, you know, which were uh, very prevalent here during uh, World War II and uh, things of that nature. And that's, yeah, it's an interesting thing to look back on and to see you know, again, a cautionary tale of, yeah, we don't have internment camps nowadays, but like the thought process of jumping to conclusion without due process, um, it's, it is a cautionary tale of like, Hey, 
don't be so quick to to jump to all all of these conclusions like let's examine the facts here um part of the reason i ended up leaving law enforcement uh was at one point um the wife and i had moved from south carolina to florida and right around 2013 i think that was just after tavon martin had been killed and so I was getting a lot of questions as a law enforcement officer of like, hey, what do you think about this, this, and this? And yeah, I couldn't like, even imagine. Yeah. Like, I just got here. <laughs> um, but then shortly after that was uh, uh, Ferguson, Missouri. And then you had the riots in uh, New York and Chicago. And this was long before George Floyd uh, was was killed. And, uh, you know, after the riots and, you know, officers just being killed uh you know sitting in their patrol cars my wife and i had been together she and i got together after i was already serving at um at the county jail so i was already in uh i was already in the service and after that uh after that stuff happened she finally came to me and said you know i don't think i want you doing this anymore and i was at a place in my life where i was just kind of like you know what i've got a bunch of stories and i you know good solid work career i'm gonna I'm going to know when to fold them. And I pushed back from the table, you know, shoved my badge and gun across the desk and, uh, and called it quits right there, but it went back to school and, uh, for paralegal. And now I work at a law firm, but in those, in those times, you know, saw so many things where people were getting arrested for certain things here where it just seemed to be a waste of time and resources and efforts to look after this person who's in here for an unpaid fine. Like that just seems, it just seems, that just seems foolish. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, you know, it's, it's so hard. You, there's one of the things from the Academy that has always stuck with me is there is, there is no routine traffic stop that every traffic stop is something different. It's you know? for a re- right. It's, it's for actual reasons. Right? Yeah. But taking that thought process a little bit further is there is no routine arrest. There is no routine court case. The laws, there is no routine law. Laws change all the time. Mm-hmm. And I think this is one of those things where, you know, if you're in the service, first of all, thank you for your service, but um, it's important to know at the risk of using another cliche here, it's important to realize the difference between right and wrong. And mm-hmm. I had a lieutenant as I was about to leave uh, my time uh, at the county jail and about to go to the road and become a class one officer and start patrolling. This lieutenant pulled me aside and said, listen, you're going to be faced with a lot of different things. And I just want to impart this one thing to you. And I've never forgotten it. I said, and she said that the biggest, the biggest power you will have as an officer is the power to not arrest. And I've always remembered that as a way Another way to say that is stop and think mm-hmm. that ju- and that isn't just for, and that isn't just for um, law enforcement officers. That's for everybody. Yeah. Ex- yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> think of how many situations, you know, not involving the law might have been different. And even in your benefit, uh, if we, if we'd all just stop and think. My second, uh, or excuse me, my third position in law enforcement after, uh, after a while, I was actually campus police for a while at a local college here in South Carolina. And I dealt with kids all the time, uh, you know, 18, 19, 20 year olds. And 
so I, you know, I might as well have just gotten it tattooed on my forehead. Stop and think, <laughs> just stop and think. <laughs> um, I think, I feel like so many things could be avoided that way, but here is, you know, in this episode of enterprise, we see Archer for once in a, he's in a position. So we've already addressed that falsely, falsely arrested. And that's, that is what it is. So now he's in a situation where he has to stop and think. And Archer doesn't really have a good track record of doing that. <laughs> no, no, he's definitely, yeah, he's definitely really cavalier and kind of, uh, you know, rushes into a lot of situations yes, uh, yeah. without thinking. But again, like, I think, you know, that's, that's, you know, he's he's a product of his era, right? Of not, you know, not having that luxury like a Picard or a Janeway. Of, yeah. you know, having the time to stop and think. Right. Yeah. Uh, assess the situation. Exactly. And th- here, because, and I've made the comment before on the show that um, Archer, essentially, when he when he leaves space dock for the first time, he's little more than a pilot. And right. Starfleet has decided to just make him the diplomatic ambassador for Earth. Like, <laughs> I don't know that that was such a good idea, but OK, here we are. So we see him hearing this story and, you know, holding true to his ideals and trying to protect the other prisoners and his engineer, his third in command, I suppose, um, with, Hey, we're going to do this and stopping and thinking and making critical decisions. What do you think based on what you've seen so far in your journey through enterprise, what do you think was the deciding factor in this character shift before he gets here on this prisoner transport? What do you think? Is it, something dealing with the Vulcans or dealing with the Andorians, like, you know, dealing with the Andorians has been crucial because I feel like it's a mix of diplomacy and strength. Whereas Vulcans, you kind of have to out logic them or at least match them. But with, with the Andorians, not only do you have to outthink them, they're likely to punch you in the face. So you have to be able to out muscle them. What do you think was the shift for yeah. Archer here? Uh, I don't know. I mean, I think that, uh, I don't, I mean, I, I, I'm trying to think of another situation that he's been in other than, you know, in the detained, um, episode, mm. um, where he is, you know, where he's been taken prisoner, um, and stuff, uh, character. Show. I feel like I, I'd have to, you know, I have to go back to rewatch uh, a lot of the other track series and stuff. Um, mm-hmm. I'm currently rewatching Voyager right now as well um, oh yeah that's 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 been really cool but um straight off topic straight off topic um I, like all of the starfleet captains that we have in all the series go through you know a, a massive growth because everything that everything that they encounter and so forth and they, they go through Absolutely. within their own separate series yeah. um yeah. you know for archer um it is you know it's it's almost exponential for him because He's, you know, he's he's really leading that charge, right? From being, like you said, a pilot leading uh, the, the the flagship of Starfleet and Earth out into the yeah, out into the wilderness, um, and having to learn on the job. Effectively, yeah, there's yeah. No prime directive. There's no federation uh, to fall back on. Like it's literally just yourself in this little boat out in out at sea. Effectively, yeah, exactly. Um, so he's basically had. He's basically uh, my boss put it this way when we were trying to do things on the fly of um, effectively being out in a storm and building the ship at the same time. 
Yeah. That's, yeah. That, that's really what Archer is doing. So, you know, I think that throughout the you know, throughout season one up to up to here, we're, we're in season two, halfway through season two right now. Uh-huh. Um, no, I think he's had such a good growth of character from being a real like a real hothead and charging into situations without thinking to um you know to to taking things into stock listening to people around him like to paul who he didn't listen to at all you know the, the very beginning of season one exactly um, and using his resources and actually having to really think about you know yeah i'm a, I'm a starship captain but i'm also a representative of earth and you know to a greater extent, you know, I, I've, I've got to make some of these life-changing decisions like in Dear Doctor, where yes. he had to think about, you know, the overall consequences of helping or not helping in, the, in that instance. So oh, yeah. but I think he's gone through a lot of different scenarios where he has had to, you know, he's had to build the ship while sailing through a storm, which I think, you know, has led to this point where he's, you know, where he's had to stop and think and take into account, you know, yeah, I could rush this guy and you know take over the you know, take over the transport, or I could try and work with him and you know lull him into a false sense of security and see where it goes from there. Because you know I, I'm also then responsible now. I'm free for everybody else on the ship and stuff. So um, and also he's always had t- a bit of time to think since he you know since he was in restraints before getting released. So exactly um, <laughs> that that I suppose that is almost a metaphor in itself that you know, him being restrained and having to think about it before acting um you know prior to being released is is also a a good kind of meta narrative of you know of of holding archer down before he before you release him and uh, and he starts having to do what what archer does effectively so yeah but uh no that's that's a great example and a great metaphor i'm i may end up using that before uh (laughs) uh in later episodes i'll give you credit of course um (laughs) But I, I think I think back to the episode, The Communicator, which was uh, season two, episode eight. I'm not sure if you guys have gotten there yet. Or uh, I haven't, but I, I, I kind of that's like a, an Archer, Malcolm Reed episode, right? Yes, yeah. they they lose someone loses their cell phone on a planet that doesn't have cell phones yet. And <laughs> uh, basically, in addition to having to um, outsmart these uh their captors and be able to physically withstand the torture and things that they may endure they're also having to try to preserve their their culture and way of life because they're not as advanced yet and i feel like i feel like archer's logs and the mission records um will end up just being the manual for starfleet once they get back to earth Right. Um, but yeah, I mean, it echoes exactly this, what you said of having to build the ship while in the storm. And that's, that's very much is that's been their whole thing from broken bow. It's, you know, Hey, I'm sure trip has a ball peen hammer and roll of duct tape somewhere in engineering. They are hanging on with spit and bailing wire, that ship holding together, man. Uh, but yeah, absolutely. So uh, any, any, any uh, final thoughts about this episode before we get into some of the stats here? Uh, did you like it? Did, how, did, how did this stack up? How did this episode stack up with what you've seen so far? Um, yeah, I mean, like, so I, obviously I've, I've, I've watched the whole of Enterprise, um, you know, prior to this, um, at least, you know, at least twice or even several times mm-hmm. um, because I had to, you know, I had to also get my wife into it as well. Uh, <laughs> Coming over here uh, and 
and having all this, you know, all this time before, you know, being able to, you know, get a work permit and, and, and actually start working over here and stuff. Yeah. Uh, we had a lot of time on our hands. Um, and, uh, and, and I vaguely, I, I vaguely remember, you know, the enterprise episodes that I have watched, um, you know, as I lead into watching them for, you know, for the purposes of my own podcast. Right. Um, when you told me we were going to, we we're going to record Kaminar, like I had no idea what the episode was about until I started watching it. And it's, it's always like that when you, when you rewatch a film or you rewatch a, a, you know, an episode of, of your favorite TV show. Oh yeah. 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 It's, I think, uh, yeah, I think this is one of this. This was one of the the episodes that I thought was was okay. I mean, it was, it, it, you know, it was it was definitely a very episodic uh, episode. You know, you, you, you could have easily have missed this episode and not uh, not really missed anything. Yeah, um, it's, it doesn't really fall under the category of essential viewing. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. Um, yeah. There is a bit of character development in it, you know, in terms of like what you talked about with Archer having to stop and think and stuff like that. Other, you know, other than that, you know, Trip's kind of just there to move the story along, um, and everybody else takes a you know a real backseat. Uh, otherwise, yeah. Um, you know, I think it was it was it was great use as you know as Trek typically does of you know their guest actors uh, who again take take a bit of a spotlight in this episode with um, you know with the guy who plays Norsican mm-hmm. and um, Kuroda. Um, yeah. you know, who, were, who were both fantastic in this, um, and it was it, it was it was good to see um, it was good to see a, a Norsican on again. I think I think Enterprise is a series that makes the most out of using the Norsicans than any other of the uh, Star Trek series. So. Yeah, they they they're a race that uh, was uh, pivotal in the development of Jean Luc Picard because he was right. of course stabbed and had to get the heart replacement. But yeah, outside of that, I think. You're absolutely right. Enterprise does make the most use of them. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. But yeah, look, I, the 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 premise and the story was really easy to keep up with, uh, pretty straightforward, and it was a good, you know, it was it, it was it was a good uh, it was a good little trip. It was a good little little episode, uh, and and also had that great social commentary of you know miscarriages of justice and uh, and and like you said, you know, stopping before you think uh, in terms of enforcing the law, um, but also tackling a situation that you're in. As well. Yeah. So, yeah, absolutely. So as we do with every, uh, with every episode, we do this every week. We always ask the question, who do we blame? Uh, <laughs> this episode was written by John Chabon and uh, we've mentioned uh, him before his last episode that he wrote was season two episode, episode 13 Dawn. And the episode was directed by Alan Croker, whose last episodes were uh, the season one finale and season two premiere shockwave, which uh, that was a lot of fun too. I really enjoyed those, Uh, but guest stars, we got some really good guest stars as, uh, as Jerry mentioned just a second ago, Uh, right off the bat, Mark Ralston as Kuroda. Uh, You may not know the name, but uh, he started his career back uh, with something called X bomber, where he did, voiceover 24 episodes that was in 1980 and 1982 but most people got their first real good look at him as drake in 1986 with a little movie called aliens he just too bad i love aliens uh did you, are you for are you a fan of the alien franchise uh i mean i'm not i'm saying i'm a fan uh but uh i'm i'm relatively familiar uh i suppose is he is uh, uh, Private Drake is he the guy? He's the one who kind of partners up with the female, and he has like the really big cannon, who's just like, 
uh, he and he ends up he's just like, oh, you're just too bad. And she slaps him and stuff like that. But they're yeah, holding yeah, those ba- big cannons. Uh, yeah. Vasquez, right? Um, yes. Vasquez. It's, it's, yeah. It's, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's wait, is he <laughs> is he the guy that when with, I think they're all showering or something? And he's like, like Vasquez, have you ever been mistaken for a man? Uh, no, like, I think oh, that's yeah. um, <laughs> <laughs> I do love that moment. I do love that moment. That's really funny. But I think that was actually um Oh shoot. Uh that was actually uh one of the that was um Hicks. That was Hicks oh, okay. was played right. by uh Bill Paxton. Uh but yeah, uh he plays Drake uh here in Aliens. He plays Hans in Lethal Weapon 2 and he plays Steph in RoboCop 2. So Mark Rolston is your sequel guy. He's he's a whole <laughs> bunch of sequels in the late, mid mid 80s to early 90s. Uh, but that brought him to his first appearance in the franchise, which was an exit, uh, an episode of next gen called eye of the beholder, which was season seven, episode 18, back in 1994, he played Lieutenant Walter Pierce. And, uh, this is not the last time we will see him. So I'll save the rest (laughs) of his career retrospective for when we see him again. Uh, we also have uh, Michael McGrady as the Nausicaan prisoner, and he's got some really fun credits here. A uh, lot of a uh, lot of one-offs. Uh, he strikes me as very much a character actor, day player. Is brought in for a very specific thing, knocks it out of the park, collects the check, and is on to the next job. Uh, he has uh, credits from The Fall Guy. Back in 1985, Quantum Leap, of course, if you appeared on an episode of Quantum Leap, odds are you found your way to start going to be on Enterprise. Right? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> uh, he was he has roles in The Babe from 1992 playing Lou Gehrig, and he also played Dwayne in Mr. Baseball in the same year. Uh, he was a cop in uh, Hocus Pocus back in 1993, which is my wife's favorite. So I we just watched it. that the other day, yeah. Oh yeah, we did too. I mentioned it here so I don't get in trouble for not mentioning it. Um, he was also a policeman in Volcano opposite, opposite Tommy Lee Jones in 1997 and then played two different cops in three episodes of Diagnosis Murder. So if the acting thing doesn't work out, he can fall back on his uh, law enforcement experience. Um, he also played Sheriff uh, in uh, Sheriff Kurt Frey in an episode of the X-Files that was season eight episode 11 back in 2001 an episode called the gift um and this is his only uh appearance in the franchise so far um here is the Nausicaan prisoner but after this he would do 13 episodes of daybreak 18 episodes of Southland 18 episodes of Ray Donovan uh 20 episodes of beyond and eight episodes of seal team so we see him getting some uh bigger um lengthier stays on some shows i'm sure he's he's had a fairly prolific career good for uh mr mcgrady and then rounding out uh the guest stars this week is mr sean whalen as zumas uh he is a character actor from a ton of films including twister cable guide that thing you do men in black never been kissed and one of my favorites batman returns from 1992 um But most folks probably know him from his most famous role in 1993, uh, the role I will always fondly remember him as the history buff in the first Got Milk commercial. Hello? Hello, for $10,000, who should... 
Excuse me? Oh, my God. Oh, hang on, let me get some milk. No! I'm afraid your time is almost up. Oh, my God. I'm sorry, maybe next time. That was his first big thing back in 1993. The funny thing is that that commercial was directed by Michael Bay of Transformers fame and a bunch of cheesy action movies. <laughs> well, you got to start somewhere, right? Yeah, everybody's got to start somewhere, <laughs> including Michael Bay. <laughs> oh, man. So uh, any final thoughts before we uh, before we wrap up, Jerry? Uh, how how was your how was your computer resume podcast experience? Did you have fun? Yeah, no, awesome. Like I said, you know, real honor to actually be on a show that I listen to. Oh, I think you know, this, this is uh, like, a, I think I mentioned to you earlier, it's like being, it's like, it's like being on a TV show that you watch. Oh, uh, thanks so uh, much. It's, 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 you know, I, I never, you know, first of all, obviously never thought I'd actually have my own podcast that I'm having to run, but never, you know, never in, maybe not million years, but maybe a thousand years, you know, I wouldn't have thought I'd ever appear on somebody else's podcast. So that that's uh that's you know really it's, it's been really awesome and, and, and it's been really cool having a chat with you and and talking to somebody like-minded uh about trek yes absolutely and, and listen uh you have been absolutely wonderful uh thank you so much for coming on uh you have an open invitation if you episode of enterprise episode of discovery episode of anything else in the franchise that you want to discuss Hit me up. I'm very easy to get a get in touch with, and I will put you on the schedule in a heartbeat, sir. You have been absolutely wonderful. Well, next week, we will be joined by amazing artist J. Chris Campbell for Enterprise Season 2, Episode 18, The Crossing, which is available on Hulu, Amazon Prime, and of course on Paramount+. Plus. Jerry, let's talk about Four Quadrants Pod. Like, give, give, us the, give us the breakdown. What are you guys doing over there? Uh, yeah, thanks, Todd. So, uh, so yeah, so um, the Four Quadrants Pod, um, we're effectively doing um, or going where some co- podcasts have boldly gone before, uh, just like this one, um, <laughs> talking about Trek um, in a sequential order um, and in chronological order, uh, just as Mr. Todd A. Davis is doing right here. We started our journey back, um, you know, a couple of months ago, uh, you know, during you know, during the pandemic, uh, as as a lot of other Trek podcasts and just general podcasts started off and uh, we're about a season behind uh, where Todd is right now. So please do go and check us out. This is the right time to give, give a plug, right? Oh right yeah. Yeah. As much as you like. Yeah. Go for it. Um, so yeah. So uh, you know, if you, uh, if you haven't fallen asleep listening to my voice on this podcast, uh, please do feel free to uh, come and listen to me and Kay over at the, uh, the four quadrants podcast. And you can find uh, us on uh, most of your uh, streaming uh, podcast streaming uh, platforms, um, you know, Spotify, Amazon uh, podcast, Google podcast, other services are available, uh, as we like to mention on that on on that show. Um, but uh, you can keep up to date with us on the socials uh, on Instagram. Uh, our tag is four underscore quadrants underscore pod, and that's the word for F O U R and uh, Q U A D R A N T S P O D. Um, so please do follow us on there. Keep up to date for when we're able to release episodes. Uh, and you can also keep up to date with us on Twitter at uh, Four Quadrants Pod. And that's the number four uh, in, in that instance. So thank you, Todd. Thank you. And where can people bother you directly on the internet? 
uh yeah so if uh, if you want to get uh, get in touch with me i don't really post that often on instagram but you can follow me at uh jezb16 that's jezzb16 um and uh yeah feel free to shoot me over uh a request or just feel free to like my photos i, I don't know <laughs> and i am at mr todd a davis on all of the socials from all of us at the computer resume podcast thank you so much for listening and i'll see you in 10 forward subspace transmissions to computer resume podcast at gmail.com or at computer resume on facebook twitter and instagram the computer resume podcast was created and produced by mr todd a davis our logo was designed by will martin and justin bishop the opening theme was produced by justin bishop our outro music was provided with permission by drone node additional music was provided by mr todd a davis and gary horn and i'm cat davis at that dot darn dot cat with a k on Instagram, the Computer Resume Podcast is part of the Slice of Fried Gold Network. Hashtag LLAP. We'll see you next time. Going through a Star Trek. We're doing Star Trek stuff in space. We probably got some phasers and shuttle pods. And we're going to find a brand new race. How's that for a slice of fried gold?